On this episode of the Rich Ad Podcast, we have Otis Pez, who is the founder over at Ad House, and they're easily responsible for spending roughly 15 million plus every year across shoot Facebook, Instagram, a ton of brand building, positioning, and development. We dive into building a community, how to monetize it, boosting that LTV, how to create awesome referral traffic. And we also dive into some super interesting concepts on cash reserves, equity deals. So, I mean, shoot, if you're into building brands, you got to tune into this one. Social ads and especially Facebook and Instagram for some German speaking um, e-commerce brands helped particularly one brand to scale from, I don't know, three or 4,000 euros a month, which is about $5,000 to over a million a month. Um, in a very um, short time period and yeah that's how things started rolling and then after that we took on several clients most of them are based in the german-speaking region but um, sell internationally and yeah we we focus a lot of social ads and um, one of the biggest topics that we have in the agency is like the brand building part so positioning look and feel um, creative development copywriting um, development of Shopify stores. Um, so yeah, we, we not only run the ads, we try to have a more holistic approach and uh, focus on everything that on yeah, in some scale has like effects on the um, return of the ads at the end of the day. So that's what we do day in and day out. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, we're back in business with another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast. We got your host in the house, Mr. Dylan Carpenter. Hope everybody's doing well on this fine afternoon. Today, we have an actual badass guest. He's spoken on numerous conferences, you know, on the ad side of things. I believe he's in Austria. You can maybe correct that. But we have the founder of Ad House. They manage shoot roughly 15 plus million every single year. They build and scale D2C brands. They love to focus on the branding side, the positioning, the website development. But more recently, he's been in the kind of more building the brand scene, which has been super interesting there. So, I mean, I could hype this up all day, but we got Adis Pez. Hope I had to slaughter that man. <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly done. Well, heck yeah, man. How's it going over there? Hey, everything's good. Like Vienna is a bit crazy. We had like a lockdown and a terrorist attack happening two days ago. So it's a bit of crazy times here. Um, but yeah, hope you guys are good in the US. Yeah, we got the election stuff going on. So it's I'm sure you're you're hearing all about that. So it's it's weird times. But you know, at least business is getting better. So I can't complain there at all. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It, it, from an outside perspective, it looks like a bit of a freak show, what's happening there, so it's crazy. Oh, dude, I would say clusterfuck. <laughs> like, it's it's so bad, but it's it's entertaining. I mean, but hey, it's it's where the world's at. We got COVID, we got so many things going on. It's I, I was actually reading about that terrorist attack that took place in Vienna a couple of days ago. That's freaking terrible, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. But 
But yeah, on a, on a brighter note, give everybody a little background of kind of who you are, kind of what you're getting into, so everybody kind of has some context there. Sure. Um, so I started originally as a graphic designer, I don't know, eight or nine years ago or so. Then I used to work for um, the biggest television station in, in the German-speaking region. And there I first um, got in touch with uh, direct-to-consumer brands who run TV ads. After that, I used to do the um, online marketing for Forbes Central and Eastern Europe, so Forbes Magazine, guys uh, doing the rich list. Um, and after that, I started a, yeah, a freelance uh, business. I've done online marketing and kind of quickly I, I decided to that I want to switch completely on social ads. And that's how I got into the whole dropshipping game and figured out very quickly that dropshipping is not the type of business I want to do uh, for a long period of time because it just felt like scam. And um, yeah, then we started like our agency business, started to manage um, the social ads and especially Facebook and Instagram for some German-speaking um, e-commerce brands, helped particularly one brand to scale from, I don't know, three or 4,000 euros a month, which is about $5,000 to over a million a month um, in a very um, short time period. And yeah, that's how things started rolling. And then after that, we took on several clients. Most of them are based in the German-speaking region, but um, sell internationally. And yeah, we, we focus a lot of social ads. And um, one of the biggest topics that we have in the agency is like the brand building part. So positioning, look and feel, um, creative development, copywriting, um, development of Shopify stores. Um, so yeah, we, we not only run the ads, we try to have a more holistic approach and uh, focus on everything that on yeah, in some scale has like effects on the um, return of the ads at the end of the day. So that's what we do day in and day out. So pretty much a full stack agency? Kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say full stack. We, we are still focused on paid and social ads because our business model is that we charge on an um, ad spend share model. So the more the client, the more budget the client uh, gives us, the more we earn, um, and yeah, we do everything that's necessary to to be able to spend profitably on Facebook and Instagram. So we are not running Google ads. Um, we don't do mail marketing. We have partners um, for those topics, but um, our focus is on paid social and uh, branding and creatives. That was my next question there. So when it comes, how big is y'all's team internally? Uh, internally, we are seven people, and externally, I, I couldn't name it. Like we work with uh, dozens of freelancers, and actually, I think that um, most agencies in the future will be like I don't know a couple of project managers, and all the other guys will be uh, freelancers, because yeah, a lot of good people um, want to live the digital nomad lifestyle and work on their their, their terms. Um, in I don't know different time zones and, and they want to structure their day how they prefer it to be. And I think that's where things are moving in the future. So we try to keep the team as lean as possible, but still have like a, a, a really good SWAT team um, of, of great people and um, try to surround ourselves with the best people out there. Man, I love that. And yeah, I think you're spot on the agency model. I mean, you don't need that much overhead to where I mean to get good media buyers, graphic designers, a lot of them, the really good ones just don't want to work in-house anymore these days to where they want to have multiple brands. So that freelance model has gotten really appealing, I feel like. 
Well, heck yeah, man. You got some cool stuff cooking over there. Hell yeah, it's really fun. So, you know, with the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, we love to kind of dive into what's working and what isn't working. So, I mean, let's dive into the world of what's working good for you right now. What's your Rich Ad? What's my Rich Ad? Actually, my Rich Ad hasn't had to do like a lot with with ads in general. Um, I see like um, starting direct-to-consumer brands especially isn't that hard anymore. Shopify. Um, their main mission is like arm the rebels. Everybody can start a Shopify store nowadays. Um, <laughs> everybody can get like, I don't know, uh, third-party logistics or um, running ads isn't uh, like that hard anymore. Like there are a ton of um, tutorials out there. You can watch things like this podcast and you can learn it in, in ad leagues and other groups and stuff like that. So the knowledge is out there. And I don't think that the value proposition is happening on on running the ad side. But what I see um, that differentiates the the brands that do really well from the ones that don't do is, on the one hand, the branding. um, But even the branding is something that can be done like because you can hire just a good agency. But where the real value is, is happening is like building a community. If you have a strong and loyal community for your brand, um, I don't think it's that easy to copy you. Because your product, your brand can be copied from a design perspective, from a uh, website perspective, of course, from the product perspective, but a community can't be copied that easy. So that's where I see the biggest value um, development. And I think if you want to have a really outstandingly good running uh, direct-to-consumer brand, especially, um, you need to have a community built around the brand. When it comes to these communities, where do you recommend people place them? Email lists, Facebook groups, you know, offline kind of communities. Where's your go-to and what's your kind of path to build these communities for brands, essentially? It's a great question. Like, it totally depends on, on, on what, actually, what you actually do. Um, but some of the biggest direct-to-consumer brands out there are built nowadays from influencers because they, they start with the approach, okay, I already have a community. What could I launch? Um, let, let's just have a look at Kylie Cosmetics or the, the Jeffree Star Cosmetics line or I don't know, Huda Beauty. Um, so they, they built at first a community and then started like brands. So Instagram, of course, is like one of the channels uh, that you should go. Um, the thing is, I always see traffic like in three parts. Like, And this is something I learned like 10 years ago from Digital Marketer. Like traffic you, you can control traffic you, I don't know what it was, traffic you can control, traffic you can't control, and traffic that you own. And I think if you have a community, let's say on Instagram, you definitely should try to get them off of Instagram into an email list, for example, or into onto your website so that they can retarget them. So take them from one place, move them to another, and have them like everywhere because your risk then is, is split. Um, something that works great are Facebook groups but more for a bit um, older um, demographic, like demographics. For example, if you have like a very young audience, I don't think that um, Facebook groups are the way to go. But let's say you are selling your products to people from 30 plus years, then uh, Facebook groups are, are, are a fantastic way to work with. You just have a bigger reach than on your organic Facebook feed. And um, one of our clients is uh, one of the biggest... Um, yeah, how do you say, like uh, female fitness brands in the world. They have like a couple of million followers, but they don't have a Facebook group. And recently we um, yeah, we, we discussed with them, hey, let's start a Facebook group. 
you have like the biggest female fitness brand in the world, you also should have like the biggest female fitness community in the world. And they started a group and it's like, man, it's, it's crushing it. That's crazy. Yeah, but that's my rich ad actually, like building a community around the brand. It sounds so obvious, um, but I don't see many brands doing it. And what's the best way to monetize those kind of communities more or less? So do you give them special offers? Hey, for our exclusive members, we're going to give you this. How do you cater your you know, offers or presentations to the community versus somebody who has no idea who you are? Oh, yeah, there are a ton of ways. Um, so how can you leverage your community is a question. One um, type of leverage is like you get customer insights that are so valuable out of the community. Like really, they, they tell you what you need to launch next. Oh, um, yeah. and, and they tell you, they, they also, for example, one brand that we worked with has like a crazy Facebook group. They are selling glass bottles. What we have done is we've done renderings from the bottles. Um, prior to producing the new designs of the bottles, we asked inside the Facebook group, we gave them like 10 renderings of bottles and asked them which one you prefer, which one you like the most. They gave us like clear hints of what design they preferred best. And then we launched it. So we, we, we had like a minimal viable product, which was only a rendering. The community told us which one they want to buy. And then we started producing them. This is one way to leverage your community, like getting customer insights and feedback. The other thing is if you have them, let's say inside of a Facebook group, and you give them like often you treat them like better than all the other um, customers that you have that are not inside a group. You can give them like um, discounts. You can give them early access to your Black Friday campaign or to your product launches. If they have like prior access one or two days prior to the launch, they feel special and they will be more loyal. Also, when you have like a community built around your brand, the lifetime value will be better. Definitely. We measured it. The lifetime value is, is way stronger. Um, you can direct traffic. Let's say you have 30, 40,000 people inside a Facebook group. Um, you can do like weekly challenges. Let's say you're posting something on your Facebook feed organically that you're launching a new product. One thing, and it's my favorite hack, is inside the Facebook group, you can do like a weekly challenge where you do a giveaway. Let's say you're giving away, I don't know, five... Uh, five sets of your product whatever and you can um, direct traffic to your late, latest um, organic posting you can tell them hey guys we just posted something on our facebook feed please um when you order the new product go into the comment section of the new posting and post a screenshot of your order confirmation so we managed to have like organic postings with over a thousand screenshots of order confirmations inside the comments and just imagine turning this type of organic posting into a prospecting ad. So it's social proof, like extreme social proof. Imagine seeing a prospecting ad in your feed and the, the ad has like a thousand comments with people posting or order confirmations. So you can direct them. It's like, it's like a tribe or, or even like a cult. You can tell them what to do. And if you treat them well, um, they will do everything that you tell them. So this is another type of leverage. Um, you can do a loyalty a loyalty program for example um, on shopify there is an app called loyalty line or another world um, um, another one called smile.io where you can give them like i don't know special discounts for club members or you can ask them to refer friends which works very well we re recently um, invested in a brand and um, it's a female um, yeah female focused product and we saw in the in the comment section under ads 
that a lot of um, yeah, potential customers tag their best friend and told uh, and write, wrote something like, hey, we need to buy this. So we thought, okay, if like 70% of all the comments are people um, yeah, telling their best friend to buy, um, maybe we should introduce a referral program. So we introduced it. And if you refer a friend, you and your friend get uh, 15 euros. It's like $70 off each so we were able to generate like 30% more revenue just by having a referral um, system in place. And yeah, there, I mean, I could talk like for hours about how to leverage a community. It's, it's crazy. Like, um, I, I think it's the biggest leverage that you can have for brands. Oh, yeah. And one of the more recent ones I did is we were coming up with offers for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And of course, you know, I go to the client with my recommendations but then, of course, I'm always like, let's go ahead and go into the group. Let's ask, you know, the community more or less, hey, what would be an offer that you would love to see for Black Friday? To where we actually got our ideas from individuals saying, hey, I'd love a buy two, get one for free or something. So where it kind of, you know, really helps shape and, you know, alignment with offers based off what the current audience wants. So, I mean, I think this is killer, man. Hell yeah. Inside a Facebook group, you can have a more intimate uh, discussion than you can have it on a Facebook page. Because on your Facebook feed, you will you you can't ask you or you can, but you, you don't want to ask about negative uh, feedback. But inside a Facebook group, you you can be more volatile. You can ask anything. Uh, you can ask them, hey, what what have you liked about the purchasing experience, and what was not that good? And oftentimes, you learn more from the negative feedback that you get. So, a Facebook community is like a closed, a gated community. You can you can have just a different type of um, of yeah discussion with them, which is really valuable. Oh yeah, and I think you were spot on. It's it creates that intimate you know environment. So I think that's killer there. Exactly. Oh, snap, that's quite a rich ad there. We got some actionable items in there too. I got some good highlights. Hell yeah. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, and you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. So of course, we love to see what's working good for you, but we also love to see that we're not all perfect. So, I mean, when it comes to some of those embarrassing tests or something you thought would work really well that just didn't pan out, what's your pour at in that scenario? Good question. Um, in general, I think every 
everyone running Facebook and Instagram ads nowadays has like this topic of, of extreme volatility. So it's really hard, especially if you are an agency like we are, to um, promise your customers results because oftentimes the, the, there are so many factors out of your hand you can't control. So I would say like poor ad, there is not, not one specific thing that is, is, is not working, but in general, it's just like Facebook is behaving like crazy. I think I, I have the feeling that the algorithm is kind of messed up, let's say like this, um, because of COVID and people and, and big brands pulling out their budgets. And then, um, yeah, I, I just think the machine learning is off. So we have this extreme volatility. This is like the, the biggest topic. It's hard to scale because on some days it's performing very well. On others, it's not performing at all. Um, but, but how we deal with it as an agency um, is that we don't look on a one or two day basis uh, on the ads anymore. We have like a more chilled approach. We, we of course, check the ads every, uh, every day, but we don't make decisions based on the performance of, of one or two days. Sometimes we really just um, make decisions based on four or five or even a week, uh, four or five days or a week, because yeah, that's the easiest way. Um, another challenge that we have is the topic of attribution that a ton of brands have, especially if you work with big brands that do like, I don't know, eight figures um, or nine figures. Um, the topic of attribution is a hard one. Um, but yeah, I always say it's better to overspend than underspend if you can afford it, because if you underspend um, and your competitors don't, the opportunity cost of not spending more is just way too high. Um, and if you're not aiming for a quick exit, um, yeah, you, you, you should think about it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think a key point here is that volatility factor. These platforms change so often. And I mean, I've even noticed it from the first of the month, we've been noticing CPMs drop 20 or 30% already. So there's some weird stuff going on. And not to mention, I think Facebook released their Q3 metrics or whatnot, where there are now 2 million less users and a million more advertisers. So maybe it could be inventory too, the elections, the COVID, the amount of factors out there is unreal to where with the amount of agencies I see, we're going to get you 10x. I'm just like, those guys are bullshitting so hard, man. <laughs> like, expectations are one of the biggest things here. So out of curiosity, how do you set expectations with your clients in these scenarios? Very good question. So we are kind of strict of who we um, onboard as a client. First of all, we need to have like the feeling that um, they understand that we are not magicians. We, we, can, we can show them case studies and uh, show them what worked well. But we also tell them upfront what have that there are brands that we were not able to scale. So um, we manage ex expectations. We tell them, look, we think chances are high that we can scale you based on this and this and this learning that we have. Um, those are the levers that we would like to pull. Um, but we can't promise you anything. So we really just look about uh, on, on on the type of the person that we are talking to. If this is someone that who, who in total like really is not is just focused on on the scaling part and um considers even a small scale not as 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 like a win we don't onboard them as a client so it, it really just needs to be a real business person and not some 
some random business owner who, who wants to make a quick buck. We are I'm trying to work with people who have a more strategic um, and even a bit a more long-term approach on building brands. And, and they just need to understand that um, if the ads are not performing well one day, um, that it is not because we are not in yeah managing the accounts properly because it, it can be like, dozens of factors that um that, that led to a cheaper performance so yeah we, we we really try to filter um during the onboarding who we want to work with and who not this is the easiest approach but even then it's it's hard sometimes to be honest like running an agency is not like the easiest business it, it's great because you can generate like um quite quickly like a good cash flow if you have a track record um but yeah it's it's there are jobs less stressful let's say it like this <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah 2020 has been the most stressful year for like media buyers or agencies out there i feel like 100 percent. because I, I think it's kind of funny you bring that up i mean case studies hey you know you show you know a prospect a case study oh cool you can replicate that no that's a very one-off scenario there yeah. so where i brought on somebody last week and they were like do you have any references i'm like yeah you want a good one or a bad one and it's like yeah. like let's be real these days you know it's True. it's not all rainbows and butterflies <laughs> oh, would, um, oh, even with our clients sorry even with our clients um, with our clients i said with our stuff um we are trying to tell the clients look even if the performance stays as it is you will learn something that will be like uh, a benefit to your business so that's the approach that i have to business in general like it's hard to make investments into knowledge that will not sooner or later pay off. Yeah. Maybe the, the things that we do with your campaigns will not immediately have uh, an impact. But if I talk to brand owners uh, about community building, and um, we, we will not be able to scale their ads, but they'll learn um, how to build a cool community around their brand, and they will increase their lifetime value, and, and they, they, they got a massive benefit out of it. So... Yeah, I think running an agency is really like 50% about expectation management. Man, this is good, man. We have so many agencies listening to this, so y'all buckle up. It's getting real. <laughs> All right, heck yeah, man. So that's quite the rich ad and poor ad side of things. So of course, with the name of the podcast, it's very similar to a book I'm sure you're familiar with. We love to yeah. kind of meet the crossroads of marketing and the financial side of things. So what kind of financial principle or financial tip could you kind of share with the audience based off your experience and expertise? Well, there, there are a lot of, um, from a personal perspective, um, should, should I share one or two personal ones and one or two business focused ones? Heck yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. From personal ones, um, I think it's, it's kind of important, especially for people who are starting out to keep the costs of living uh, as low as possible. Because um, if you like get a big, nice apartment and, and uh, expensive car and, and a great watch and stuff like that, um, it just gives you so much pressure, which leads to poorer decisions. Because if you are like really in, in a not so good financial situation at one point, you will make different decisions than if you have a clear mind. So that's a personal principle, a financial principle that I always tell people who ask me for for some insights um then another one is like all of the good investments that i've done so far were um the ones that i made in, in into self-education like 
buying courses or especially going on masterminds, meeting people, um, I really think that there wasn't wasn't even one conference uh, that I paid for or online event or whatever that hasn't had like a massive return on invest. Every is it some, more, sorry, is it based off what you're learning at these or the people you meet? Both. Um, I, I can give you one example. There is one mastermind in Germany. Um, and I, when was it the first time that I attended? I think like five years ago or so, or six years. And there I had like a normal salary and stuff like that. And then I paid like $6,000 or so for one mastermind event, which was one day. And for me, it was like an insane amount of money back then. And I never thought that I would get it back, but I just was curious to meet like uh, people who are far ahead of me, like a lot of the most known German speaking online marketers. Mm. Uh, I attended the mastermind. It was in uh, Ibiza, in Ibiza. So it was beautiful. We were at a great hotel, great dinner. I met interesting people and it paid off for it. And a um, couple of years later, I started working with one or two people from the mastermind and and they paid me like good money for running their ads. So I paid like $6,000 and I got like 10, not, not 10x, uh, 20x out of it. And this happened like really often to me. So it's it's about meeting people or if you're at a conference, sometimes it's it's one sentence that can change your complete business. So yeah, some like if you look um, at it, um, sometimes afterwards you, it's easy to to connect the dots, but but it's hard to upfront know which conference will pay off, which will not. But I think the best investment that you can make is like into new connections, new people, uh, meeting new people, and then getting new knowledge for yourself. I couldn't agree more, man. That's that's what leveled me up. Going, you know, the iStack events and whatnot, just hanging around with all the badasses where. You kind of want to be. So, I mean, it's kind of putting you in that proximity of those like-minded individuals. And it's it's wild how fast it kind of levels you up too. Yeah, iStack is a good example. Like that's how I got into the international online marketing or e-commerce uh, scene. So I, I tended as a visitor. No, first I bought like an online course. Um, or I, I can tell you the story actually. It's kind of interesting. Um, I met a guy in Dubai and he told me about iStack back then. And when I was back in the hotel, I bought the online course. One year later, I attended um, the event in Barcelona. And two years later, I, I spoke at the stage. So the investment was like 400 euros for a course. And the return was like really good. And yeah, so I think this is actually probably the best financial um, tip that I can share. Man, heck yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, And of course, there's so many free resources out there. It's where if you're not ready for a mastermind, Go to YouTube, you know, get to that level. Yeah, but, but you need to filter. Like there is a lot of, especially in the US, like you guys love <laughs> bullshit. Sorry to, uh, to have to say this, but um, there's like a lot of nonsense out there. Oh, 100%. So on the business side of things, what kind of tips you got there? Kind of the same tip, like uh, try to always have cash on the side. So that how, you much, how much cash would you recommend? Oh, I'm not an accountant, so um, <laughs> it, it depends. Is it, but like, is it a six-month runway? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, I, I was like really shocked um, when when COVID hit um, in Austria. We there, there was like reports that um, the the standard company has like cash reserves for only twenty eight eight days, 
which for me was like insane. Like, okay, if you only have cash on the bank for 28 days, probably it's not the worst if you um, run out of business. Um, and yeah, I would say like at least have enough cash on the side to be able to um, burn money for six months, even if there is not, not one penny coming in. Um, but besides that, sometimes you just need to take risks. So um, I, I, I really can, um, yeah, it, it's mixed. Like you need to have cash on the side, play it safe, but you also need sometimes be willing to, to um, take big risks. And yeah, another tip that I, that I have probably is um, if you are able to do to get equity for your workforce or, or your knowledge or whatever as an agency for example you should do it um let, recently we had like one client and we saw that they are doing good numbers and but it was okay it was just like a small brand starting out and i somehow had the gut feeling okay i think this is that this is something that sooner or later will blow off and i exactly knew what levers we can to bring them on another level and then like we, we just took a small risk we said hey we can offer you um like one and a half or two years of our workforce or um, really like stepping in as, as kind of co-founders but we want like uh, 20% of the company and they said yes um for us it's an opportunity cost because for two years uh, we will not see any money um if everything plays out well the upside will be like insane if not we spent like uh two years um we invested two years of our time into this brand but even then we will learn a lot and sooner or later these learnings will pay off so i think yeah um if you are able to to get stakes in companies um you should do it but only if you are able to control um what, what happens I see a lot of people like um, having stakes in companies where they don't really have control of anything. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't like investing into things where I don't have control. Even like if you invest in stocks, I, I just buy stocks from companies that I really follow. Let's say Shopify. Um, I bought Shopify stocks because I'm using it on a daily basis. I see the huge value that it's offering to businesses out there. I, I follow like Kobe Lutke, the founder on, on Twitter, and, and I listen to his podcast. I just know how well run the company is. So yeah, I always like to invest in things where I have some sort of control, or at least I have the feeling that I have some sort of control. No, I, I love this. So with these equity deals, more or less, how long do you set them up? Do you plan on going in for a year? You mentioned in this scenario, it's two years. But if somebody were to start doing this, would you recommend them, you know, come in with a year minimum, two years minimum to really, you know, try and help grow and use your network and your resources to really make this worth it? I mean, it depends. Um, there are a couple of certain topics, like one is focus. Uh, if you want to, to do something really good, you need to put a lot of focus into it. So... I think it's kind of hard to invest in 10, let's say 10 brands. We at the moment are running our agency. We have a lot of clients and it's not easy to manage everything. Besides that, we have the investments that we made and they need a lot of focus and time as well. And it's not just about focus and time. You just need space in your head 
to be able to to think about um, next moves. So I love uh, Naval Ravikant, the founder from AngelList, um, and he says like entrepreneurs and business owners nowadays they don't need to hustle like Gary Vaynerchuk uh, tells everybody to do. They need to be like uh, they need to train a lot, sprint, and then rest. Like Warren Buffett is not working 15 hours a day. He's re- he's reading six hours a day and working probably one or two. And it's not something that he has uh, practiced in the last two to three years. He's done it like this for 30, 40 years. And I also think this is a good way to go. Like um, having a lot of time to think about the right things to do instead of doing a lot. So you don't need to invest in 10 brands. Pick one or two where you think the potential is good, um, where you are willing to invest um, a year or two. And then it totally depends on the deal. Like for this brand that we invested in, there is no time frame. I just gave myself the time frame of two years to see if it plays out well or if not. And if after two years we see, okay, this is not really taking off, um, I will shift like the 25, 30% focus of my time that I now put into this brand back into other projects. So it's it's allocating resources that you have. Man, this is freaking awesome. Well, Snap, we're running up on it. So, I mean, what's the best way for people to kind of get in touch with you? How can we support you? And what do you have kind of next in the pipeline? Any kind of fun new projects? Um, yeah, we have a couple of fun new projects. So people can uh, can add me on Instagram. My name is Adis Pez. Um, feel free to message me. I'm always willing to answer questions and just to meet new people. Um, Besides that, if there are some brand owners out there who are interested in working in together, you can check our website out. It's at house.com. And yeah, what is in the pipeline? Like we are launching um, new brands. And uh, at the end of the year, we are planning to have three brands in the pipeline. And let's see, one of them hopefully will take off. <laughs> so if you are interested in, in, in uh, how we build brands and what we do, um, you can message me on Instagram and I'm willing to answer some questions. But yeah, that's it. Hell yeah, man. Y'all heard it. Y'all hit him up. (laughs) Well, hey, man, much appreciated. Thanks for jumping on. We'll get you back on for sure after all this crazy stuff to see how it's all going. Thank you, my man. It was a pleasure. so much for listening to another episode of the rich ad poor ad podcast if you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go go ahead and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube and richadpoorad.com slash podcast and if you absolutely love the show go ahead and leave a review and a comment share with a friend if you do take a copy screenshot of it email me zach at funnel-com show me you left a review and i'll give you a free copy of the rich ad poor ad book to learn more about the book go to richadpoorad.com to leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.